I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, we're going to begin at uh, verse number 2. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse number 2. While you're uh, turning there, let me remind you that we are in the middle of a series entitled One Another. Uh, In the Bible, there are several dozen of these one another verses. uh, Verses like love one another, encourage one another, uh, forgive one another. And these uh, one another verses remind us that Christianity is never meant to be practiced in isolation. Christianity is meant to be practiced in community. Uh, Christianity um, is intended to be lived out among a group of believers. And these one another verses... Show us how we're to treat one another. How we're to deal with one another. And, um, you know, let's face it. uh, We deal with people every day, all day. And let's, let's just be honest, all right? There are some people that kind of leave a scratch in our head, wondering, what were they thinking? And you know, there, there's some people that uh, they just frustrate us, right? And look, there's some people that, that just annoy us, all right? Let me, let me give you some stories, all right? Put an image up on a wall. Um, there's this guy... Um, he, had, he had wanted a toolbox like this for years. And uh, he finally decided, I mean, it's expense, nice, it's expensive. I mean, this is like a $3,000 tool chest. All right, I mean, it's nice, it's expensive. This dude had been wanting one for years. He finally took the plunge and bought it. And so he shows up at work, and he's, you know, telling all his coworkers, hey, I finally did it. I bought the tool chest that, uh, that you know, I, I, I bought it. I finally did it. Been wanting it for you. I finally bought it. He's so excited. And, you know, his coworkers were like, well, dude, how do you pay for that? He said, man, I just put it on my credit card. I just put it on my credit card. I'll pay it off. Man, he was excited. Man, he finally had the toolbox of his dreams. A couple days later, he comes into work and starts telling his co-workers, I had to sell that tool set, I had to sell that toolbox. And they were like, well, man, how much did you sell it for? I, I, I sold it to, to a friend of mine for $1,500. And they were like, his co-worker was like, man, Why? Two days ago, you paid $3,000 for it, and you just sold it for $1,500. Why? He said, well, man, I, 
I had some, I had some bills coming up, and I just needed the cash. You see, there's some people that just, you know, they leave us kind of scratching our head. What, you know, what, what were you thinking? All right. And then there's people that frustrate us. Let me give you, let me give you a story of this one. Uh, I had, a, I had a friend in college uh, named Joe Dively. He was a music major. I was a history major. And uh, we were in a history class together one year, and uh, we made a deal. I had, to, uh, I had to critique some kind of music recital at William Carey. And uh, I said, Joe, man, if you will help me critique that music recital, if you'll help me write the paper, I will help you study for the next history exam. And so, uh, you know, we made that deal. Man, Joe did his part. Uh, you know, he helped me critique the music recital, helped me write my paper. And so, you know, it's, it's my turn to do my part. And so we had this history test coming up on a Thursday. And uh, so we started studying Monday. We studied Monday night. We studied Tuesday night. And man, Joe just wasn't getting it, all right? He just he wasn't getting the material. It wasn't sinking in. And so I'm fully expecting Wednesday night we're going to be pulling an all-nighter studying for this history test at Waffle House eating waffles and Burt's chili. Yes, they have chili at Waffle House, all right? And so, man, I'm expecting an all-nighter at Waffle House helping Joe for this history test. And so Wednesday night, I knock on his door, and I'm like, dude, are you ready to study? And he's like, man, I'm tired of studying for this test. And I was like, Joe, what you mean? He said, man, we've been studying Monday night, Tuesday night. I am tired of studying for this test. And I'm like, Joe, you don't know the material. Man, at best, you might make a C, maybe. And he's like, man, I'm tired of studying. And he's like, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm, I'm going to watch the History Channel all night. And I'm like, I'm like, Joe, what are the chances that something from the History Channel is going to be on our exam? So man, I was just, I was frustrated. All right, I I had spent Monday night, Tuesday night trying to help this guy, and Wednesday night all he's wanting to do is watch the History Channel. Man, I was frustrated. And what was even more frustrating is he watched the History Channel all night till six a.m. Overslept and missed the history exam. All right, there, there's some people that just frustrate us. All right, and then there's some people that just annoy us, all right? And I got an image up on the wall. Uh, these are the Vandy Whistlers, all right? <laughs> I don't think I've still got that whistling sound out of my ear from the SEC baseball tournament, all right? There's some people that just annoy us, all right? There's some people that frustrate us. There's some people that leave us scratching our heads. We're, we're, you know, we were, what were they thinking? And our passage today that we're looking at, our subject today, is how we need to bear with one another. That's our topic today. That we need to bear with one another. Alright? With that in mind, let's read our passage today. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2. I'm going to read from the New King James I've got several translations uh, at the top of your sermon notes. 
my favorite translation from this verse is from the NTE, New Testament for Everyone. Uh, that's a great translation of that verse. But I'm going to read from the New King James. So let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Uh, With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. All right, let's read it one more time since it's short. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. You may be seated. All right, so again, we're, we're looking at this topic today bearing with one another, all right? And uh, there's some sermon notes in the worship folder. There's uh, two things that I want us to talk about this morning. Here is point number one, make sure you get it. Point number one, imperfect people. All right, that's point number one, imperfect people. All right, make sure you have that. Point number one, imperfect people. All right, so let's look at Ephesians chapter Four again, uh, verse number two. We're also going to look at verse number three, and then we're going to skip down to a verse at the end of this chapter. Look at verse two again. Uh, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then if you skip down uh, to verse number 32, go all the way to the end of this chapter, and this is the verse that we're going to be looking at over the next couple of Sundays. Look what it says. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So in this chapter, notice some words that, that Paul is talking about. He's talking about unity. He's talking about keeping the peace. Paul is, is talking about um, being patient with one another. He's talking about forgiving one another. He's talking about bearing with one another. And, and what this chapter is telling us kind of in the background is that there are imperfect people in the church. Now, the church of Ephesus, who Paul is writing this letter to, look, they're, they're a great church. They, they did a lot of great things for the Lord. But, but Paul is, is reminding the, the people in chapter 4, look, in this great church, there are imperfect people. Now, fast forward... 2,000 years later, newsflash, there are still imperfect people in the church. And let me give you some examples of imperfect people in the church. These are in no particular order. Um, People who don't do their part in the ministry of the church. And look, you've probably heard the statistics. Only 10% of church members are involved in the ministry of the church. Another popular statistic on this issue, only, uh, let's see, 20% of church members do 80% of the work. And so if you're doing your part, or, or maybe you're doing more than your part, and you see others not doing their part, it can be frustrating. Let me give you some other examples. Um, imperfect people in the church. People who you roll your eyes at, or want to roll your eyes at every time they speak. All right? Or uh, what about the, the person who is immature or weak in the faith, whose spiritual growth has been stunted? Or what about those people who are difficult to love and you can fill in the blank on why they're difficult to love? Um, or, or what about the people that make your blood boil 
by their words, actions, or attitudes. Um, or what about the people who are struggling in sin and everybody knows they're struggling in sin because they post it all over Facebook. And speaking of Facebook, what about those people who tell all their business and everyone else's business on Facebook? Or what about those people who get on your last nerve? What about those people who are constantly complaining, who are always negative? Or what about those people who are hypocritical? They rail against one thing at church, and then they go out outside of church and do that very thing they're railing against. Those are just some examples of imperfect people in the church. And here's the deal. Chances are, at least one of those hit home with every single one of us. Right? Because here's the deal. There's imperfect people in the church. And we all fit into that category. Right? We all fit in to that category. Right? Imperfect people. In the church, we're one of them. And so we got to bear with one another. That's what Paul is trying to get across to us. All right? Look at point number two. Moving right along. Look at point number two. All right? Point number two, putting up with one another. All right? Point number two, putting up with one another. All right? Look at uh, verse number two again. Uh, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering Bearing with one another. And you might want to circle that word, bearing. In some translations, it's forbearance. All right, you might want to circle that word. Uh, here's what that word really means. Um, it, it means that we accept people. We accept people where they are in their spiritual journey, realizing that we don't change people, only God does. All right? Um, in a little more modern English, uh, we might use the phrase today, put up with people. That's what bear with one another means. It means to put up with people. And, and here in, in verse number two, um, Paul shows us how we go about putting up with one another. Well, look, we're, we're imperfect, and, and Paul shows us how we go about putting up with one another. And there's three words that I want to point out in verse number 2 that, that, that show us how we're to put up with one another. And this is A, B, and C in your sermon notes. A is humility. All right, A is humility. Uh, make sure you have that. A is humility. All right, if you go back to, to verse number 2, notice what it says. With all lowliness, and, and some translations use the word with all humility. All right, and um, in, in, in our culture... It has become all about exalting self. In, in our culture, it has become all about pampering self. I'm reminded of a story from uh, Muhammad Ali's life. Uh, Muhammad Ali, if you're not familiar with him, uh, he was an incredible boxer. Uh, he was flamboyant. He was very proud. He thought he was, he thought he was the best. All right, and so he's on an airplane. He's on a commercial airplane and the stewardess comes by and says sir 
you need to put on your seatbelt, we're about to take off. Muhammad Ali looks at her and says, I'm Superman, and Superman don't need no seatbelt. The stewardess looked at Muhammad Ali and said, Superman don't need no plane, put on your seatbelt. Alright, so the great Muhammad Ali got a dose of humility from the stewardess. Alright, again, here's my point. We, in, in our culture, it, it, it is all about self. And, and we take that into the church. We make church about us. We make our relationships in the church uh, about us. And, and Paul is saying that, hey, if, if we're going to put up with one another... We need a dose of humility. All right, and, and humility, look, it, it is just simply seeing ourselves for who we really are. All right, that, that's all humility is. It's seeing ourselves for who we really are. And look, humility. seeing our flaws. Humility is seeing our personal struggles. Um, humility is us realizing that, hey, we do things that frustrate people. We do things that may annoy people. All right? Humility is just simply seeing ourselves for who we really are. I love uh, D.T. Niles' definition of evangelism, and I, and I meant to put it up on the wall, but I forgot to. D.T. Niles, here's how he defined evangelism. evangelism. Evangelism is one beggar telling another where the bread is. And boy, what a humble definition of humility. He's saying as Christians, we're the beggar telling another where to find bread. Uh, l- listen to what Paul says. We'll put this verse up on the wall. 1 Timothy 1.15. Um, this is a trustworthy saying. And everyone should accept it. Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. So here's Paul. He's saying, hey, Jesus came to save sinners. And Paul's saying, hey, I'm the chief sinner. I'm the worst of all. And that's the attitude that we need to have about ourselves. Jesus came to save sinners. I'm the chief sinner. I am the worst of all. Look at that next verse in your sermon notes. Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than you. You see, if we're going to bear with one another, we've got to have humility. Because without humility, we're always going to look down on people. Without humility, we're always going to feel superior to others. All right. So if we're going to bear with one another, if we're going to put up with one another, we've got to have humility. Look at point, look at us, B. Look at B. Uh, meekness, all right, meekness, all right, make sure you have meekness, uh, once again, look at uh, verse number two, uh, with all lowliness 
and gentleness. All right, and that, that word, uh, most translations use the word gentleness. Um, in the Greek, the idea is meekness. All right, and uh, it, it really stood out to me. I was reading a commentary sometime in the last couple of weeks, and uh, the, the commentator said, we need to stay away from that word meek. We need to avoid it. Because in our culture, it has such a, a negative view. And, you know, I got to thinking, you know, we shouldn't ignore a word in the Bible just because culture looks at it differently. You know, our culture uh, defines meekness as weakness, being a doormat. But in the Bible, meekness had nothing to do with weakness. In, in the Bible, I, I'm thinking of two people that were described as meek, Moses and Jesus. And if you study their lives, Moses was not weak and Jesus was not weak. You see, in the Bible, meekness has nothing to do with weakness. Here's meekness, all right? Here, here's what meekness is all about. Let me tell you a story. Remember my friend Joe Dively? Who, uh, he, he studied all, uh, all night for the history exam by watching the History Channel. The guy I told you about a few minutes ago. Well, his college career came to an end when he got a Sony video game system. All right? What he would do, he would, he would stay up all night playing video games, skip class. And at William Carey, after you miss five classes in a trimester, you flunked. All right? That's where Joe Dively was. All right? Got his PlayStation, stayed up all night. He flunked out uh, because he didn't go to class. Well, he had already paid for his room. He had already paid for his meal ticket. So the last seven weeks of the school year, he's just hanging out. All right, He's living it up in the dorm. He's staying up all night playing his, playing Sony video, his video game system. And he's... Going to eat in the cafeteria. I mean, that's what he does for the last seven weeks of school. He's living it up. All right? Me, on the other hand, all right, I am, a, I am in Greek. And the way they did Greek at William Carey was you did two years in one year. All right? The, the first two trimesters, you take it kind of slow. And then the last trimester in Greek is brutal. It's brutal. And uh, so... I, I literally, like the last seven weeks of school, uh, if I wasn't in class or the cafeteria, I was in the library until they closed. And after the library closed, I was up to 2, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, translating, learning Greek vocabulary. I mean, it's just brutal, all right? And so I would, I would meet Joe in the mornings in the cafeteria, all right? And he would... He would, he would be talking about how great his night was playing video games. How he was just having the time of his life not having to go to class. He's just, man, he's just living it up. I mean, he's talking about the video games he's playing. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I'm, I'm spending half the night translating Greek, learning all these vocabulary words, and all he can talk about is how great of a time he's having at college playing video games. And, and so every morning when he starts talking about video games, all I want to do is punch him in the mouth. All right? I wanted to just tell him off. I wanted to say, hey, Joe, just go home. Man, everybody here, man, we're studying. We're writing papers. 
I mean, we're, tr- we're struggling these last seven weeks. I mean, you're just living it up. Go home. Man, have you ever had people like that in your life where you just, man, you just wanted to punch them in the mouth? You wanted to just tell them off? Here's meekness. All right, here's where meekness comes in. Meekness is about controlling our reactions. All right? Meekness is saying, hey, I want to punch you, in the, but I'm not going to do it. I want to tell you all, but I'm not going to do it. All right, the word meekness actually comes from uh, taming a wild horse. All right, and it means that we've got to get our responses, our reactions under control. Let me give you some just like kind of examples of how meekness plays out in, in our lives. Um, meekness is about taking the time to understand um, instead of jumping to conclusions about a person. And, and how often have we not put up with others because we jump to conclusions about a person? A lot of times we jump to the wrong conclusions. All right? Meekness, again, it's about controlling our reaction. And meekness is saying, hey, I'm going to take the time to understand, right? Uh, meekness is uh, about being gentle instead of critical of others. Look at a verse in your sermon notes, Galatians 6.1. Look at what it says. Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with what? A gentle spirit. Meekness is about being gentle instead of critical. Uh, meekness is about being t- uh, is about being tender instead of harsh. When there's a disagreement, uh, look in your sermon notes, Proverbs fifteen one. Look at this one: a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And look, when when we when we're not meek, when we don't control our reactions. And when we're harsh in an argument, we're just stirring things up. We're just throwing fuel on the fire. And look what Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2.24 from the message paraphrase. God's servant must not be argumentative, but a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool. Right? So meekness is about getting our reactions under control. Right? Again, if we're gonna we're gonna put up with one another. All right, look, there's gonna be times when people get under our skin, when people frustrate us, when we want to punch them in the mouth or go off, and meekness says, No, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna get control of my reactions. And then C, look at look at the last one, patience. All right, C is patience. All right, look at verse number two again. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, and, and some translations instead of long suffering is the word patience. All right? So if we're going to bear with one another, 
We've got to have patience. How are we doing with that one? How are we doing with that one? You know, in our, in our culture, we really struggle with patience. Um, you know, we want things right now. Uh, heating something up in the microwave takes too long. Going through fast food takes too long. And then how often do we get impatient with people? Uh, there, was a, there was a teacher, and uh, the, uh, they, they had a meeting one day and, and said, look, you know, we want all the students to go outside for exercise, rain, snow, take them outside. They need the physical activity. And so the teacher's name, I, I think it was a Miss Alexander. She has like 21 first graders, and it's pouring down rain. And so all the kids show up in their rain jackets and rain boots. And so, you know, right when they get there, she has to take off 21 raincoats, 21 pair of boots. All right? It's time for morning resets. Put on 21 boots. Put on 21 rain jackets. They go play for 20 minutes. It's time to take off 21 rain boots, 21 rain jackets. Uh, they got to go to lunch, and the cafeteria is in the next building. And so at noon, put on the 21 rain jackets, take off the 21 boots. Uh, when they get done with lunch, put on the 21 rain jackets, put on the 21 pair of boots. They walk across to the classroom, take off the 21 rain jackets, take off the 21 pair of rain boots. Uh, and then it's time for, a couple hours later, it's time for afternoon recess. Put on 21 raincoats, put on 21 rain boots. They go play for 20, 30 minutes, come back to the classroom, take off 21 rain jackets, take off 21 rain boots, and then it's time to go home. And the teacher's like, finally. <laughs> put on 21 raincoats, put on 21 rain boots. She gets to the last kid. The kid says, Miss Alexander, these are not my boots. The teacher loses it. <laughs> she loses it. You know, she's hollering. You know, she's, you know, it, it, had got, it had caught up with her. She'd been patient all day, and finally she just loses it. What do you mean that's not your rainbow? Who's, who's got your rain boots? I mean, she is frantically going kid by kid, trying to get the right boots on this, this one kid. And finally, a couple of minutes after seeing his teacher in such a tizzy um, he says, Miss Alexander, um, these are my brother's boots. I've had them on all day. How often, you know, we're, we're patient, we're patient, we're, and then we just, we lose it on someone. Or how often do we have that short fuse with someone? How often do we... Just lose patience with people and just give up on them. How often do we grow tired of people? And look at, look at 2 Timothy 2.25. This is the last verse in your notes. Put this verse, maybe it's up on the wall. All right. If not, it's in your notes. 2 Timothy 2.25 from the message paraphrase. That, there it is. Working firmly, but patiently with those who refuse to obey 
You never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and a turning to the truth. And uh, I think that last verse really sums up what it means to bear with one another. putting up with one another. It's accepting one another for for who they are, where they are in their spiritual journey, realizing that we don't do the changing. God does. And we never know how and when God is going to change hearts. And so we need to bear with one another. And and Paul gives us the key right here. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing complex. Got to have humility. We've got to have meekness. And we've got to have patience. But yet, you know, straightforward. Nothing, nothing complex. But let's face it humility, meekness, and patience are three qualities that our culture struggles with. As Christians, we need to be different than culture. We need to be above culture. We need to have these qualities. Humility, meekness, and patience if we're going to put up with one another. Let's, uh, let's bow our head, close our eyes. Just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation, a time of response. But before we do, I just want to ask you, um, you know, how, how has God uh, spoken to, to you this morning? Um, you know, maybe, maybe you're sitting out there and, boy, this one really hit, hit, hit home with you. Um, you know, a lot of times we are, we are, we are quick to look down on someone else. And yet, we have our own imperfections, our own flaws, our own struggles. And, and maybe that's something you need to come pray about today. Maybe, maybe these qualities that we talked about, humility, meekness, patience. Uh, maybe there's one or more that you're struggling with and today you need to come pray that, that God will help you live out these qualities in, in your life. How's God speaking to you today? How do you need to respond today? Father, we thank you for your word. Um, Father, we're, uh, you know, we deal with people all day, every day. And, uh, and Father, there's, there's people that they're easy to love. They're easy to love. And, and Father, then there's some people in our lives that, it, that it's a struggle. They, they annoy us. They frustrate us. They get under our skin. And yet we see in, in your word that, 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 that we're to put up with each other. We're to put up with one another. And, and Father, the, the qualities to do that are humility, meekness, and patience. And yet these are qualities that we struggle with in our Father, I pray that you will help us be different from culture, 
I, I pray that you will help us be different from culture. Uh, Father, I, I pray this is a place where we are people of humility, meekness, and patience. Father, help us live out this teaching in our church and in our lives. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand. Just